you know, each Enneagram type has a self-fulfilling prophecy of bringing upon what they avoid, which plays out quite regularly. And I felt like this is something interesting to talk about because it's something that I've seen within myself as an Enneagram One in terms of my my pursuing of better health, of a better mindset, of success, of understanding myself. I've been wanting to share a little bit more of of, of helping with other Enneagram types, um, particularly related to INTPs, but you know, I'm going to keep this a little bit more general because um, the Enneagram is a tricky concept in that it's something that you've really got to be ready for. And so what does that mean, being ready for? It means that there's got to be a point in your life where you're ready to turn something around. You're ready to make a change. You're ready to try something new. Maybe you're tired of your habits. Um, that's really what this journey on dopamine started as four years ago. It's like I, I got tired of myself. I was trying to figure out like why, and still am trying to figure out why I keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Why am I continuing to fail in jobs or in relationships? And so that set me on a path to try to figure out my personality related to my mental health. And that led down an ADHD rabbit hole that led down an INTP Myers-Briggs rabbit hole that went down even like a chakras and Enneagram rabbit hole, made great friends with personality hacker, have been doing this Enneagram work with Beatrice and Aranio, um, Beatrice Chestnut and Aranio Pius of Enneagram 2.0 and CP Enneagram. And more so lately discovering my relationship to dyslexia and how that is really opening up a lot of the uh, achievement challenges that I've had in my life and in my history. And um, so one of the things that, even though I've done this discovery path for myself through all these different systems, including spiral dynamics and some other things, I the thing that keeps sticking out to me on a day-to-day -day basis is how my Enneagram type perpetuates my own fears or my own avoidances. Now there's this general idea that like anytime you're anti something or antithetical to something that you're still attached to it. Um, so even though there is a such thing as the counter types in the Enneagram, which are the subtypes that have a opposing pull to the type. So for example, a, a sexual six is the counter type for a six that they will typically pull against fear and go towards uh, basically get an, get an attack energy, but still doing it with a, a six-ish fear in mind. There's a movie called The Art of Self-Defense that I think is about a sexual six that um, if you're looking for an example, I think that's a really great example of that type that is fearful, but is very much like trying to combat fear. And so for me as a one, 
I'm a sexual one, which is the counter type for one. Um, not all sexual types are the counter types, but um, there's an opposing energy that ones typically fear judgment. And since I fear judgment, I tend to judge others as a way of fighting against my own judgment of myself, from myself or from others to me. And so when it comes to this Enneagram type self-perpetuation, that's sort of an example of that, that by for sexual six going towards fear, they're constantly facing fear and therefore always feeling fear and not doing it in a courageous way. Um, and for the one, for me as a sexual one, for example, um, by constantly criticizing others, I'm opening up myself up to more criticism. And so there are paradoxes that each Enneagram type perpetuates, and that's just kind of what I want to cover here. So let's go in basically the order that Enneagram teachers tend to go in, which is starting from 8, 8, 9, 1, which um, the reason for that is that um, the Enneagram is a basically follows the law of threes for the most part. And so the it's broken up into threes. There are nine types. There are 27 subtypes broken down into nine main types. And then those nine types are fitting into three centers of intelligence. Those centers of intelligence are based on our physiological variation of intelligence. Now, we typically think in the Western world in particular, that we have a mental intelligence only, or that mental intelligence is the only intelligence, or that's what separates us from the animals, which is assumed to be a measure of intelligence. But there are amazing things that animals can do that you can't do. Does that make them smarter than you? I don't know. You probably wouldn't say so, because uh, we're trying really hard to be the best uh, of anything. But truth is, there are different types of intelligences. Um, and so with in terms of the Enneagram, there's body intelligence, there's heart intelligence, and then there's head intelligence. And typically what happens when we have an Enneagram type is that we focus on one of these centers of intelligence. And one of these centers of intelligence gets more attention than the others. And typically the goal of Enneagram growth is to have a better balance of all of the different centers of intelligence. Because... In a sense, that's what awakens greater sense of consciousness is using more of our full body experience and outer body experience energetically and stuff like that. So eight, nine, and one are the body types. Two, three, and four are the heart types. And then five, six, and seven are the head types. So the body types are typically more grounded, a little bit more self-assured, but at the same time, um, constantly uh, having a sense of self-denial to deny uh, that that gets a little bit more complicated I guess but they're they're typically centered in the emotion of anger and then two three and four are the heart types they're typically centered in the emotion of sadness and then five six and seven are the head types which are typically focused on the emotion of fear Um, so to, to kind of go through these paradoxes, let's just talk about the different types starting at eight. So eights tend to put themselves in vulnerable positions by always challenging authority. Now eights find vulnerability to be the thing that they're trying to avoid. 
and um and uh, uh that that's why eights if you've ever met an eight in your life are uh perpetuating a sense of strength my 6 year old is now he just turned 6 he's he's consistently obsessed with strength he is very much into <laughs> the idea of like the biggest strongest characters that he can find and always trying to assert himself and challenge authority but <clears throat> by challenging authority <clears throat> my apologies for the coughing by challenging authority uh you naturally put yourself into a position of vulnerability by maybe potentially being overwhelmed uh, by that authority so it, that's like just an example of that self perpetuation uh nines are typically a type that want to keep a sense of harmony and um are trying to to blend in and it's really to find a sense of belonging they really want a deep connection but not like an emotional connection more of like a merging kind of connection like i would i want to be you <laughs> kind of thing um i want to be uh with you to such an extent that it's like you know you are more important than i am um i want you to be the center of attention so in that sense nines are also longing so strongly for belonging and that's why they make the other person more important but um they miss out on belonging since they don't bring themselves to the connection they seek like that's a part of connection is being able to connect over to different experiences so that if you're asking the other person to constantly share their experience but when it's time for you to share yours you don't share yours that creates disconnection and so uh nines tend to avoid disconnection and um by by trying to create harmony in their environment and trying to trying to create a sense of um of of people pleasing in a way that they end up um, excluding themselves and therefore not getting what they want pretty consistently. As I mentioned with ones, ones bring on criticism by harping on needless details. So ones are a little bit more of a self-critical type and they are a little bit more, they're typically classified as the quote unquote perfectionist. Um, but it's really that perfection is a desire to avoid criticism or to avoid judgment. And so that's like the core idea. And that's really what I'm focusing on here. Like eights are obviously much more complicated than what I said. Um, it's easy for them to, to deny themselves, like deny what they just said or, um, uh, uh, deny something that they've just done because they're kind of, they're so in their body that, um, their, their head sort of doesn't always remember those things like legitimately they're just going on instinct and um so to keep going uh twos invite rejection by interjecting in others problems too often so twos are typically classified as the helper uh or the belonger i think the what is the, the befriender is the the term that that beatrice tends to use um so they 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 try to avoid rejection and by avoiding, by, by interjecting themselves into other people's problems all the time, they are perpetuating their own 
percentages of of rejection, right? Like these are, this is basically a measure of probability, right? That by putting yourself into more situations that can create the thing you avoid, you're therefore um, giving yourself greater opportunity to bring on the thing that you are wanting to avoid. So by interjecting yourself into other people's problems, often you're opening yourself up to rejection more often. Uh, so threes, which is the hard type, it's the hard type. Now, now just for reference, um, when it comes to anger for eights, nines, and ones, eights overdo anger, nines underdo anger, and ones are ambivalent about their anger. Twos are ambivalent about sadness. Threes underdo sadness and fours overdo sadness. Threes, they fail to gain authentic love by always shifting their image and compulsively doing. Now, threes are trying to avoid failure, typically. That's why they're typically seen as like overactive doers and accomplishers and achievers. And um, But at the core, they're, they're a type that is about identity and sadness. The, the passion is called self-deceit for threes. So threes are always going to fail if they're avoiding their authentic self. And so by shifting their image and compulsively doing things, um, they, they fail consistently at being seen for who they are and loved for who they are. And so um, that's how they perpetuate that. Uh, fours perpetuate abandonment by trying too hard to be unique, typically referred to as the individualist or the artist. Um, they, they're typically focused on sadness and the shadow elements of the human experience and basically will never be seen if they're always living in the shadow. Uh, and so, like I said, fours overdo sadness, melancholy, and even though their desire is to connect, like all the heart types want to connect, uh, fours do that via the strategy of perpetuating, um, uh, of, of trying to be unique and interesting and artistic and expressive, fully expressive of the, of their entire human experience. But not everyone wants that. And that perpetuates that feeling of abandonment that they're trying to avoid. Um, now going into the head types, we've got five, six, and seven fives are typically in, in like a more investigative observer type and tend to, uh, keep feeling they, they, they're sort of, uh, always living in limits and boundaries. Like uh, there's a fear of abundance in a way and uh fear of emotion and expression. And so fives are typically focused on managing their energy, but they keep depleting their energy or feeling depleted by denying themselves the energy that comes from social interaction, social emotional interaction. So there is a very real component that every single human being gets energetic hits from various forms of interaction, even just a simple introvert extrovert um, dynamic. Everyone has an introvert side. Everyone has an extrovert side. And if you are not getting that outside world abundance feed that energetic hit, then you're always going to feel depleted, um, even if you actually aren't, um, since you're not getting a bit of that social-emotional high uh, that everyone has uh, access to. Um, so sixes 
typically uh, fear based. They are the sixes are the type that feels fear the most. Sevens deny fear, and fives are ambivalent about their fear. Uh, sixes put themselves at risk by over relying on outside authority for protection, and um, so sixes are typically always trying to plan for the worst. They're always expecting something to go wrong. And uh, if something doesn't go wrong, they just they don't remember that <laughs> they're always focused on what might go wrong. And so what better way to avoid something going wrong than outsourcing your authority to someone who is going to handle all of the things for you? The problem is that that creates an inherent risk that you are in the hands of someone else. And so uh, by not putting your authority in yourself uh, to to create, to be courageous and do all the things that you need to do for yourself. Um, you're always going to be putting yourself at risk. And then lastly, let's talk about sevens, uh, who typically are trying to be more, usually seen as more upbeat and positive and, uh, light and fun, even like manic. And I don't mean, um, mental health manic, but I mean, just like a lot of just a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Um, it's almost like a dizzying type of brain energy. My uh, nine-year-old, she is a seven, and she's surprisingly calm when she's watching. Uh, there's this YouTube channel called Unspeakable that they're just manic energy, and she just loves it, and she's just like so calm and in love with it <laughs> when she's watching it. And um, her birthday party, there was just like, chaos everywhere there was just kids um uh, there was kids in the pool and everyone was uh yelling and screaming and having a good time and she's like this is the best birthday ever she just loves the chaos um so <laughs> um she's also talked about how like we asked her a question about like what's her favorite Beatles song and she's like i like all the happy ones <laughs> and she's always talking about like i prefer the happy things and uh, I asked her a question once also of like, would you rather be a human or a robot? She's like, I'd rather be a robot because then I'll never feel pain. Uh, totally unprompted. That was a really interesting response from her. Sevens are typically trying to avoid pain or limits. They want abundance. They want possibilities. They want optimism. But that involves a lot of planning. To stay optimistic involves a lot of energy. And sevens do have a lot of energy and they put a lot of energy Um almost oppositionally to fives, like they put a lot of energy into lives and, um, sevens suffer and feel pain, uh, from their limits by, by creating limits on themselves, by putting heavy work into positivity and by limiting their experience to only positive things. Cause there's a lot to learn from, from pain, from the fullness of life's experience. And if you're avoiding, um, avoiding pain, you're, you're missing out on a lot of stuff, which is, you know, sevens tend to have a fear of missing out and, um, they're perpetuating that. So this is, I really have a hard time sometimes talking about all types in any system because I don't want to just refer to people as they, <laughs> you know, like Molly's a four. And so she has been going through a lot of this process where she's an abstract artist and the more abstract she gets, the less people want to buy her work or notice her work or the less she creates connection. So she's been actually putting, um, these interesting 
like stickers or uh, rather cutouts of sort of ancient illustrations, not ancient, but um, centuries old illustrations onto her paintings and giving them more of a connective tissue, connective life, something that someone can actually see and relate to. And so that's creating greater connection for her. And so, um, you know, she's focusing, she still very much has a focus on being unique and individual, and it still trips her up sometimes, especially when someone is literally doing what she's doing. Um, she will get discouraged and frustrated by that. Um, but the goal is still to create connection and, um, you know, she's still striving for that. So, uh, I have a friend who's also a five that, uh, every time we get into a conversation together, as I start talking, she will literally slowly take steps back. You know how people shift their weight and they start to kind of move backwards a little bit. She, you know, by the time we were done talking, she's moved back like two feet. And so I stopped kind of following her. <laughs> I started to like kind of track with her. And sometimes you match body language to, um, to build rapport. And so, uh, you know, soon after that conversation, she was like, I need to go home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, her, her energetic limits are pretty, pretty low. She lives by herself and all of that stuff. Um, but she, you know, we don't have a lot of emotional conversations and, uh, I don't know the last time I've heard her have a very emotional conversation. I'm sure she would get a lot of energy from it. Um, trying to think of other examples that are worth sharing. Um, I can't really think of any right now, but I, I actually, um, from new girl, Jess from new girl, she's a two and she is constantly, um, interjecting in other people's lives and experiences and hard types I've noticed can get really mean when they don't get the connection that they want. Uh, twos in particular can get really upset about rejection. I've actually had a couple of twos, uh, through my YouTube channel that, um, they'll attempt to connect with me via messenger or want to have a phone call with me, which I don't have time for. I apologize. And I know, first of all, I don't, I don't know you, sorry, <laughs> but, um, they're wanting me to get on a phone call to connect with them because they, maybe they resonated with my content and they thought I was interesting and they want to vibe with me. Usually they frame it as like needing, wanting to help me or give me some sort of advice on how I can make my channel better. Um, uh, which is great. But if the helping was authentic, then they wouldn't need me to get on a phone call. They could just send me an email, right? <laughs> so um, when I deny that connection or reject it, um, there's usually, for the unhealthier ones, there's a, um, there's a bit of a, there's, there's a bit of a backlash. It's, they, they can get really kind of personal and mean. And, um, uh, I don't know, one person just kind of went around into my comments and started to say that I was like ego driven and <laughs> I was, uh, not willing to take his advice and stuff. And I said, I could take your advice. I'm just not willing to get on a phone call because <laughs> you know, I have boundaries. So, you know, that's the hard part when you're a person that's doing stuff on online on a podcast or a YouTube channel, like there's an increasing number of people that want your attention. And unfortunately, when it's a heart type who's unhealthy heart type and you have to deny that connection, that rejection can be taken very personally. And, um, you know, can come out 
off as mean. And, you know, twos are trying to avoid rejection. But the that person could have avoided rejection altogether by, you know, I, I didn't reject them at first, but they took it as rejection. Um, I, I said that you can send me an email and we can connect that way, but that's not the way that uh, heart type wants to connect. They want to bond emotionally and strongly. And I, I understand that, but it doesn't mean that I owe that. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, there's no other examples that I, I can give comfortably on this channel, uh, uh, through a podcast publicly. But, um, you know, if you're resonating with one of these types, um, this is really not f a discovery necessarily. If you already know your type, this is just kind of letting you know, maybe some patterns you haven't noticed within yourself. And this is just diagnosis in a way. Um, you know, prescription, if you go to personalityhacker.com slash Enneagram, we just finished the Enneagram starter kits there. And, um, those are really great to pick up. Um, amazing programs, for full, uh, not just diagnosis, not just diagnosis, but prescription and actual helpful advice for you to grow as your Enneagram type. And I want to do stuff specifically about INTPs related to Enneagram types, because I think INTPs that I've experienced have shown up a little bit differently because they're still doing it through the lens of their cognitive functioning. Like I believe emergency awesome on YouTube is an INTP three. And one of the ways that I know that is because first of all, he's a workaholic. Second of all, he is, um, definitely well-versed incre incredibly well-versed in comic books and has this very TI explanation, um, logic to him and the ways that he writes and connects. Um, but also is really tends to have a preference towards, um, TV shows and comic books that really express or show interpersonal dynamics, which again is like what a heart type is really going to care about, even if you're an INTP, right? So that's probably what I want to talk about is the heart, the, the centers of intelligence and how that shifts as an INTP. Now that I'm talking about it, I think that's a good idea, but I have to go get back to other work. So hopefully this was a helpful episode and an example of maybe some stuff I want to try and play with here on the podcast that's exclusive from the YouTube channel. Uh, I'll probably still post this on the YouTube channel. You can listen to it there or listen to it in your favorite podcast feed. Uh, search for dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. -E. Uh, like, subscribe, share with a friend, all that fun stuff. Uh, we have a... If you go into the description here, and if you want to leave a question or make a comment, you can leave a voice message. You do not have to have an Anchor account to do that. You can click at the bottom. It'll say, leave a voice message. Click it. It'll open up in your browser, and then you can just start recording. You hit the button. You start recording and just leave a quick voice message. So you can ask a question. You can leave a comment. Give me some feedback. Uh, let me know your thoughts on what your Enneagram type is, if this sort of uh, idea of paradox within yourself makes some sense, or at least it's something that you're you're relating to a little bit, um, and then go from there. So yeah, I got nothing else. I appreciate you. Uh, if you go to dopamine.school, we've got courses there for INTPs. Uh, the INTP Empowerment Guide is a really, really great place 
for you to start to integrate things like shadow functions and get to know your energetic needs as an INTP and how to sort of flow as an INTP and use your cognitive functioning in a more effective way. And then we also have the INTP Productivity Master Quest, which is all about being productive as an INTP and learning all the tips and tricks that I've learned over 20 years of freelancing and um, design and working in businesses and, and having my own business and all these things and how to uh, get into better better rhythms as an INTP as well. So that's it. I appreciate you. Take care of yourself. And uh, I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya.